Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's Wednesday, March 1st, and welcome to another episode of The Ben Jarofsky Show. On today's show, we've got Monroe Anderson for Monroe Wednesdays and retired CBS2 anchor and political reporter, Derek Blakely. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, all the things, and so much more columns from Ben Jarofsky, you're going to love it. Also, more columns from Ben Jarofsky and bonus interviews, just head on over to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Why Did Lori Lose Wednesday? And here's why. I'll tell you why. Because it's the day after the election and the big story from the election, at least the first big story, the first big story is that the incumbent mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, was defeated. And here's the uh, headline, the front page of the Sun-Times. I'm showing it to my distinguished guests, Monroe Anderson and Derek Blakely. I don't know if they uh, get the Sun-Times, but that is some front page, gentlemen. Uh, lights out. And there's a picture of a very despondent-looking Lori Lightfoot. Uh, and here's the headline. One-time political rock star. Lightfoot, <laughs> rocks, political rock star, it cracks me up. Uh, one time political rock star Lightfoot suffers historic re-election defeat. So I'm going to deal uh, with two reasons uh, why I think Lori Lightfoot uh, was uh, defeated. And then I'm going to turn things over to Monroe and Derek and get their thoughts. Uh, but but folks, we're not going to just, just discuss uh, Lori Lightfoot losing. We're also going to talk about the prospects of Chicago electing a lefty as mayor. Anybody who thinks ideologically like me, I'm always a little nervous. <laughs> I don't think so. they're about to elect any lefties, but Brandon Johnson's in the runoff, so it could happen. Uh, and uh, how down and dirty does Paul Vallis have to go to win? Does he have to replicate Bernie Epton in 1983 before it's too late, or can he pull a Richie Daly and go, we're all in city in 1989, knowing that the black community is divided, uh, and that'll uh, do the job for him? Uh, and um, talk about Chewy Garcia, what happened to his vote, uh, and uh, uh, Obama wild card. I'm going to throw that out to uh, Monroe and Derek, a possible what would if Barack Obama decides to get involved in his hometown, uh, his sort of hometown. Uh, and then I'm going to go on a rant, get their thoughts about the coverage last night, uh, how mainstream Chicago apparently does not know any lefties uh, to have on their show. But let's first deal with Lori Lightfoot. Why did she lose? And I have two reasons I'm going to cite. Uh, one is her fault and one is not her fault. I'll deal with her fault first. She disrespected Willie Wilson within a month of the campaign without any reason. 
And Willie Wilson is well known in the black community. In the last two elections, 2015 and 2019, he got upwards of 10% of the vote, all of it from black wards. His endorsement of Lori Lightfoot after the round one of the 2019 mayoral primary was pivotal. She dragged, when she was all over the city of Chicago with uh, Willie Wilson. Uh, Willie, he, it was Willie Wilson introducing to his church-based community and showing that uh, they are open-minded and tolerant uh, to support a lesbian, an open lesbian. There's a footage of them in 2019 stepping. I'm not making this up. It's on the internet. You can watch it. They're stepping to the Isley Brothers. Derek Blakely, Monroe, and Anderson and I are the only three people in Chicago old enough to know the song. But it's the Isley Brothers. All right. I think Willie Wilson and Lori Lightfoot are old enough to know the song, too. So she had an alliance with Willie Wilson. There was no need to self disrespect Willie Wilson and lose him as an ally. She lost him as an ally within a month. He came on this show and said, I remember it. I think Monroe may have been in the studio that day. Now, how she disrespected him. She didn't return his phone calls. She didn't treat him uh, with the courtesy and the dignity that a man who got 10 percent of the black vote deserved. And so he was an enemy of hers from day one. He ran again, siphoned off 10% of the black vote, at least. You look at the uh, sixth ward, which is uh, predominantly black ward in the south side, and uh, Willie Wilson got 22% of the vote. That should have gone to Lori Lightfoot. Could just imagine if Willie Wilson was allied with Lori Lightfoot. Uh, in the eighth ward, 20% of the vote, two predominantly black south side wards. Uh, and uh, he, Willie Wilson did better than Brandon Johnson in both of those wards. So a silly, foolish, needless fight with Willie Wilson brought on because she disrespected him and didn't return the man's phone calls, came back to haunt her. Second reason, in my humble opinion, which she is not at fault for, has to do with white voters in the city of Chicago. Now, I'm going to just speak uh, as a mini expert uh, about white people. You, Monroe Anderson is... For a while. <laughs> <laughs> Monroe Anderson is the authority, the Ben Jarosky Show authority on white people. Uh, I am second, okay? <laughs> but Monroe's got a few more years on me, so we always accord him the respect he deserves in this thing. But white people, I don't know why you turned against Lori Lightfoot. Seriously, 42nd Ward, 43rd Ward, 44th Ward, all these well-to-do lakefront wards. What did she ever do to bother you? She kept the TIP program in, in tune. That benefits your wards. That benefits gentrifying wards. She didn't build on the CHA land the last time Derek Blakely was on the show. We discussed this. She kept it vacant for, she didn't move the poor people back. She kind of followed the agenda, you know, just pretend as though they never were there. She raised the bridges in the loop during the riots after George Floyd was murdered. Got so many Southside aldermen upset at her because they didn't understand the strategy she was employing to deal with the unrest in the streets of Chicago. I know what she was employing. I believe Monroe Anderson knows what she was employing. And so does Derek. She was protecting the downtown. What? From the blacks. <laughs> that, well, that was Monroe Anderson, ladies and gentlemen, not Ben Jarofsky. So what did she get in return for following the agenda? that the Rahm administration followed, that the Daly administration followed, she got slapped in the face. Ryan Hopkins, second ward, didn't endorse her. Brendan, Brendan Riley, 42nd ward, didn't uh, endorse her. Tom Tunney in the 44th ward didn't uh, endorse her. She made him the zoning chair, the most 
One of the most prestigious positions you can have in the city council, Derek Blakey knows this because he's been covering Chicago politics a long time. She made him the zoning chair. And he still didn't endorse him. He, she looked the other way when he was operating his cinnamon roll speakeasy in the middle of the shutdown. I remember this. We talked about this so much in the show, Monroe. When, when he was operating Ann Sather's in the middle of a shutdown, all the other restaurants were shut down. He was operating. You got knocked. It's like you knocked three times on the ceiling. If you love me, you know, it was like a secret code to get to the back room to get yourself a cinnamon roll. She looked the other way. She didn't chastise him. And he still endorsed Paul Valls. I, I, I need Monroe Anderson's help in understanding this phenomenon. And then we'll get Derek Blakely's views on this. But I start with that. I see no obvious reason. Why white people on the north side of Chicago will have abandoned Lori Lightfoot. And don't say crime, ladies and gentlemen. There's been crime in the city of Chicago since I've lived here. I'm not blaming myself, but I've lived here since 81. There's been crime in the city of Chicago, Derek Blakely and Monroe Anderson. There was crime in the 90s when Daly was the mayor. I never saw anybody in the 44th Ward, 46th Ward, 42nd Ward, or the 43rd Ward blame Mayor Daly for crime in the city of Chicago. But suddenly, Lori Lightfoot gets blamed for crime in the city of Chicago. So that's my my rant for today, gentlemen. I'm sure there may be more to follow. We'll start with you, Monroe, and then go to Derek. Your thoughts on why the white voter, particularly the white voter in the north side, abandoned Lori Lightfoot. Monroe, go. It is crime. You don't want to accept it, but it's crime. As long as the crime was confined to the south side and the west side, uh, white people would turn up their nose and go, not in my neighborhood. Uh, when it moved north, then suddenly they became concerned. And uh, because it's moved north and because it's pervasive enough and because the Chicago news media is now in a, if it bleeds, it leads mindset, you get all crimes all the time on TV and white people don't feel safe. And so they want as many black folks as possible at Cook County jails. And um, Lori was trying to keep up, but bless her heart, she didn't, wasn't quite able to do it. And um, Kim was going, hey, you know, I grew up in Cabrini Green. <laughs> now, some of this stuff uh, happens and some of it's, it's, it's not a crime. It's just a circumstance. For example, Kim Fox pointed out that a lot of times when a black kid has a gun on him, he doesn't have that gun to shoot somebody. He has it for self-protection. Uh, so you get shootouts anyway. But the thing is, it's it's just don't throw all the black folks in jail. And before we go to Derek, uh, what are your thoughts on Willie Wilson picking a fight with Willie Wilson? That was stupid. You know the, the problem. The problem for Mayor Lightfoot is she's not a politician. Yeah, you know, that's that's her problem. Is she how how Howard um, um, Saffold? No, the the uh, Congress Brookins. Oh, Howard Brookins, the, the uh, GM last. Now, yeah, he, yeah. He, oh, don't he, get me started. Said, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he said that her problem was that if you, she, she didn't realize that um, sometimes people didn't go along with her, but they were a friend, a potential friend. And 
her her approach to this is either you're with me or you're against me. And if you're against me, then I'm going to make your life miserable, basically. Well, and so, so with Willie, that was a, a stupid thing to do. And no, no, no real politician would have alienated. Uh, that's what you call in tennis, an uh, unforced error. Yes. All right, uh, Derek Blakely, your thoughts first uh, with the white people of Chicago, uh, the, particularly the North Side, and then Willie Wilson. Go ahead. Well, I want to echo what Monroe said about not being a politician. Um, you know, you get elected as an outsider and you wear this, I'm not a politician, as a, a badge of honor. But as soon as you get into elective office, you better be a politician right. or else you're going to be a one-termer. And we've seen this repeated uh, several times uh, in Illinois politics. Um, you know, Dan Walker was a reformer and he was a governor and, and uh, he, he, he looked like a politician and talked like a politician until he got elected, and then he's a one-term governor. Bruce Rauner, same thing. Looked like a politician, said what he needed to say to get elected, then he gets elected, and he refuses to compromise with anybody, uh, <laughs> let alone, even though Democrats basically rule the roost, and, you know, he shipped same, out. Same with Blago. Same with Blago. You could say the same about Trump. Yes. You, um, you know, he, he started the game at a higher level. Again, I'm not a politician. I'm a businessman. Well, the rules are different in politics. Nobody, you know, if you're running your own company, you don't have to worry about who is the CEO. You are, you know, but there's a mass of people that can throw you out of office. So that was problematic for her. Um, and uh it, it it turned out to be it turned out to be one of her fatal flaws to your point ben um you're absolutely right uh, white people and white voters did turn their back on lori lightfoot uh, my good friend from cbs2 former political uh, uh producer ed marshall uh ran the numbers and vallis um, let's see here. Vallis won 18 wards. Johnson won nine. Lori won 16 wards. But Vallis got more than 50% of the vote, an outright majority, in the downtown wards, uh, southwest side, northwest side. 11 wards. Two, 11. 13, 19, 38, 39, 41, 42, 43, 45, and 50. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the lakefront. That's the southwest side, which, you know, 19th Ward is the biggest vote producer in the city. And 41, which is, you know, uh, as far as you can go without getting out, getting out of the city. That's Jefferson Park and out by O'Hare. So, um, that that shows that the the point you're making is valid um but uh, there's a there's a companion point to that not only did lori lightfoot 
uh, well, not only was she deserted by white voters, but she never built up a black base. She had four years to do it, and she never was able to make that connection, um, whether it's because of her style, whether it's because she didn't want to deal with the uh, longtime black alderman in a lot of these wards, um, whatever, whatever the reason, she, she did not um, build up a significant black base. And if you look at the election results, two points from the election results. Number one, about Vallis, he got almost the exact percentage, one man, that the six white men got it four years ago in the first round. Mm -hmm. um, they got 31%. He got 33%. Mm -hmm. So you could almost <laughs> transfer, you know, move those votes right over. And I didn't know they would play out quite that way, but I, I predicted that, but it did indeed play out that yeah. way. Now, now as for Lightfoot, mm -hmm. Lightfoot, um, not only did, you know, Johnson get 20% and Willie Wilson got almost 10, the little guys in the race, the, the, the other black candidates, Jamal Green, Sophia King, Cam Buckner, Rod Sawyer, all of whom had little or no chance uh, to, to reach the fifth floor, realistically. Together, they drew 5% of the vote. Yeah. That 5% goes to Lightfoot, and she goes back to the fifth floor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, even with Willie Wilson's insult, um, um, you know, if, you, if you're looking at this as the black community, um, the black community um, uh, tossed out a black mayor, and because uh, the vote was divided, was so divided, and of course the white community had one standard bearer in the race, and he just raked it all in. Yeah, that was her guy, and they went with him. Now, yeah. uh, Derek, I'm going to follow up with uh, your point with, and I got to give a shout out to Marie Cobb. She was on the show last week, so this is Marie's theory. Uh, and get uh, your thought, and then Monroe, you weigh in. So Delmarie's theory is that Lori Leifert was way too late. She picked up on your point and uh, reaching out to court the black community. And when she did finally court the black community, it was like a point of desperation where she was on the ropes and she needed them. And she, uh, Delmarie made a sort of a, an analogy to uh, the O.J. Simpson. When in trouble, turn to the black community because they will come to your rescue Push come to shove, they will come to your rescue. The one I, Vanessa Williams, I, if you remember Vanessa Williams, when she lost her crown unfairly, I thought, uh, once again, went to the black community. And I think Delmarie's correct that Lori Lightfoot turned to the black community in desperation to save her political neck at the end of the campaign, as opposed to being there for four years. And and to me, the Willie Wilson thing is emblematic of this larger right. indifference. Yeah, she wasn't. She uh, Willie Wilson wasn't the only one that she didn't return their call. Jo Josie Childs, who died a couple of weeks ago from the black community, she's had this Harold Washington 
event every year in April. And she spent two, the first two years trying to get Lightfoot just to do any sort of acknowledgement of Harold Washington, which she wouldn't do last year in April because she was about to become a candidate for mayor. Then she did, she attended this, this event for Harold. But uh, that was her only participation. Uh, you would think that the second black person, mayor, elected by, uh, by the black community, would pay homage to Harold Washington every year. She didn't do it. Yeah. And, you know, she alienated some of her own supporters. Uh, Third Ward Alderman Pat Dow, uh, a committee chair appointed by her, uh, you know, in, endorsed uh, um, Brandon Johnson. Um, so there were a lot of defections of um, women. Um, Alderman Garza from the 10th Ward, uh, she, she was another committee chair who said, you know, um, enough is enough. So, I mean, there were some really, um, in, there were some major issues about style. I also think she has a point when she says she was judged more harshly than Richie and Rom as, as a woman and as a black woman and as a lesbian. But that's kind of baked into the cake. I mean, exactly. you know, right. exactly. uh, I, you, the only thing I can say to that is, yeah, it's unfair, but you knew the job was dangerous when you took it. Right, exactly. Um, and, and that's the, being the first always yeah. presents those challenges. Yeah, but you, you were the first woman, the first gay, and, <laughs> and, and the third black. The contrast with Harold, you didn't hear Harold going around moaning and groaning about being black. Right. He just, I mean, he was trying to fight the political fights he needed right. to do to get the authority to be mayor. Right. And he knew those were racially based. But I don't recall him ever saying in, in that context, uh, pity me, I'm black. Right. He knew that he knew there wasn't going to be any pity for him. Exactly. In fact, he I remember at one point, because they used to say he didn't look like a black mayor. And his response to it, because he got tired of hearing it, he said, I'm the mayor. This is what the mayor looks like. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the other thing, Harold, I mean, just comparing for a moment, Harold had a certain joy de verve about him. You yeah. know, he he had a twinkle in his eye and he loved the fight, the political fight, and he loved being mayor and he obviously loved the city. And it showed in a serial way that Lightfoot yeah. uh, never conveyed. You, it's, it's. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I, I, and I, 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 Harold's the goat. I mean, anybody of our generation has to recognize he's the greatest. Right. So it's really unfair to anybody else to compare him. It's like comparing a basketball player to Michael Jordan. There's only one Michael Jordan. There's only one Harold Washington. Right. And Derek, everything you said about him is so true. He was so quick on his feet. He was he could be so spontaneous. He had such a great sense of humor. Uh, he had such wisdom because he'd been at the game for a while by the time right. he got it. You know, and he had a few knockdowns. He fought the. He was part of the machine. He, he he had enough with the machine. He rebelled. There was only one Harold Washington. There will never be another. And that's just the reality. I got to get over it, Derek Blakely and Monroe. I got to stop waiting for Harold Washington to walk through the door because it's not gonna happen happened once in my life 
Uh, so it's unfair to Lori Lightfoot, but I don't one on one. Be nice to you know what? I'll say this, Derek and Monroe. She don't she picked and chose who she fought with. She knew enough to make up with Bobby Rush. So you can say, well, Howard Brooklyn says he's not a politician. Howard, she knew enough to be a politician with Bobby Rush. Bobby Rush said some mean, nasty things about her in 2019 on behalf of Tony Preckwinkle. Didn't work, didn't help. But Lori Lightfoot forgave and forgot. And next thing you know, Bobby Rush endorsed her, and they're walking all over the city. We need to go into Manny's delicatessen on election day. She knew enough to make up with Bobby Rush for some reason. I don't know if it was snobbery or, you know, Willie Wilson doesn't have an education, a traditional college education. I don't know what it was, Derek, but she just never accorded the man the respect that he deserved as the winner. I will repeat this, Monroe, of 10 percent of the black vote, 10 percent, excuse me, 10 percent of the citywide vote. It's higher proportion of the black vote. So I will never understand that, Derek Monroe. She was not a politician. You know, I, I told you this episode where I ran into her at a jewel market, mm-hmm. uh, jewel, jewel food store. The jewels? The jewels? Jewel, J E W. Yeah, the jewels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I ran into her at a jewel <laughs> grocery <Yeah>. store. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, Christmas Eve or something like that. Getting up last minute food minute. Oh, food. yeah, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've told her, I mean, I, ch- I sort of chatted up but she, to her, but she was so unavailable to me. You know, Harold would have stopped. Oh, my God. With me. Uh, because I told her I was Harold's former, I mean, Sawyer's former press secretary. Yeah. But so, you know, it's, 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 I mean, she wasn't distant, but. Whatever she was doing, she was doing, and she didn't have any time, even for like a, a, a one-minute conversation or anything like that. When you're a politician, you're a politician 24 hours a day. If you're mayor of Chicago, you're mayor of Chicago 24 exactly. hours oh, a day. Oh, I exactly. Bet, I bet, exactly. and I don't know if Ron would have sat there and chatted you up, but I, I'm sure that Richie would have. Right, you know, exactly. Because everybody's a potential vote. Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. Richie would ask you how your mother is, how your exactly. kids are, you know. Sorry, I didn't come to your father's wake. And yeah, all that, you know, that, yeah, all that kind of thing. Uh, Ron, Ron probably would have given you the middle finger, Monroe. Uh, but uh, <laughs> well, that's the one that got cut off. Yeah, that. So oh, he loves giving that one. Uh, he has it in a jar, just waiting just for me. <laughs> Yeah, Rob would, wouldn't have showed you any love. Rob wouldn't care about your mother, or your father, or your brothers, or your sisters. No way. Uh, all right. Uh, so we're all in agreement that Lori was not a good politician, which is really weird. It's like, I'm going to play in the NBA, but I don't know how to shoot jump shots. Okay. Right. Or dunk or rebound or play defense. I and I'm a little it. short. <laughs> and I'm short. I got the pulls on my mind, gentlemen, because I blew one last <laughs> night. All right. Uh, let's move on to the second item of my agenda. Can a lefty win in Chicago? Is there a lane, as we like to say in this game, uh, Derek and Monroe, for uh, Brandon Johnson to travel to win the runoff election? Uh, We'll start with you, Derek. Go. Well, you can't say anything's impossible after the last two elections (laughs) where a woman who's a black lesbian uh, comes out of nowhere to win the mayor's job. And now you've got uh, Brandon Johnson, who you can say came out of nowhere, uh, albeit with uh, almost $3 million in uh, 
money from the from the unions, primarily the teachers unions. Um, uh, but he still kind of came out of nowhere and uh, beat a, a black incumbent. So I think it's possible. But when you think about the numbers that I just rattled off, um, Vallis has a uh, hard core solid base to work from. Um, and Johnson, yes, he won 20%, but I don't know how solid that base was. Now, he will be in the runoff, obviously, as a, the lone candidate, the lone black candidate. And I think he's got to try to solidify the black vote. Right. Voters for those other eight candidates. Yeah. And those other those other candidates, the lesser, yeah. the minor uh, uh, black candidates, he, that's what he's got to primarily do. And I think he will also be um, trying to um, uh, obviously trying to vote the progressive vote among uh, Hispanics and uh, uh, the lakefront. Uh, he spent a lot of time in the, in the lakefront wards uh, during his campaign. And of course, uh, as I said, he won 46th ward, 47th, 48th, 49th. Um, so he has some, some strength there. So I think there's a path for him, but I would say uh, that uh, um, Vallis has an easier road because uh, his base ain't going anywhere. <laughs> and and uh, he has he has a bigger base and it's not going anywhere. Yeah, um, and and uh, Johnson has has ground to make up. Now he'll have the cash to do it, and you know, um, so uh, it, I, I I would I wouldn't say it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Monroe. Right, okay, from my perspective, what we have is um, Paul Vallis is a hired gun. He went to Philadelphia to do a specific job. He went to to um, New Orleans to do a job. He's been in Europe to do a job. I mean, he comes in there. And as a result of that, he has a lot of, of exposure on his Achilles heels. And I think rather than for Johnson just to run as a Black candidate, and that's all, but it has to be a part of his formula. But I think he has to... Uh, cite what Vallis has done that Vallis is bragging about and how, well, maybe that, well, actually, actually, it wasn't that good for Philadelphia. It definitely wasn't good for New Orleans. He has to expose that mm-hmm. and, and pitch on that and says now he wants to bring that to Chicago. Well, I'll uh, remind you, uh, gentlemen, of something you probably already know. Uh, And that is the great Harold Washington coalition that elected him in 1983 uh, was almost it was 99 percent of the black vote. Just think about that for a moment. Ninety nine percent. And it was a huge black vote. Yes. Turnout was massive. Yes, absolutely. At best, 20 percent of the white vote, like every white vote was precious. And roughly 60% Hispanic vote. Now, uh, uh, Derek, to your point, demographics have changed significantly since 1983. 
And uh, I could, I would argue, that I'm not going to do it now because this is not where we're not doing a, a discussion of economic development policies. But the economic development policies uh, combined with property taxes and the issue we talked about the last time we were in this show, CHA uh, policies, have reduced considerably the black population in Chicago. So even if Brandon Johnson were to get 95% of the black vote, it's fewer votes right. uh, than Harold got because there's fewer black people. Right. So it really is 85,000 less, made probably more than that. Yeah. So it comes down to uh, can he get enough white votes? And I'll give you a a, a ward and they get your thoughts on this. So we'll do it on the north side. Um, We'll stick with the 44th ward, which is Lakeview, just uh, north of where Monroe lives. The 44th ward, Tom Tunney, the incumbent alderman, and he endorsed uh, Vallis. So in the 44th Ward, a traditionally, quote-unquote, uh, lakefront liberal ward, Paul Vallis got uh, 42% of the vote. Now, these are the results right before we went on the show, so they'll probably be changing, but uh, those are the results I had right before we went on the show. 42% of the vote. Lori Lightfoot got 10%. Brandon got 30 and Chewy Garcia got 10 So if you add Lori and Chewy, that's 20%. Will that vote go to Paul Vallis? Or will that vote go to Brandon Johnson, Derek Blakely? Wow. I mean, that's kind of the $24,000 question, right? Um, it, uh, will it go to Brandon or will it go to Vallis? I think it really depends on who that 20%, uh, the leanings of that 20%, which we really can't discern. Are they more concerned about crime, which is, you know, Vallis's main issue, or are they more concerned about economic justice and, um, um, you know, trying to uh, assist the have-nots in the community? Um, The other thing, you know, Brandon Johnson's going to have, have explained more is his taxing policies. Um, you know, basically in his original platform, he wanted to tax everything that wasn't nailed down. <laughs> and uh, um, and he, he, he backtracked on several of those proposals. Um, uh, one of his, the groups allied with the teachers union uh, and formally allied with him, you know, proposed the city income tax. He said, no, I don't want no city income tax. They had some kind of, scheme to tax suburbanites riding Metro who work in the city. And he kind of backtracked on that. Um, I think he can reasonably put forward um, the millionaire's mansion tax or the million dollar uh, tax on million dollar sales of million dollar homes um, and can kind of soak the rich that way. But, um, you know, he, he's advocating for a lot of social spending and no one I think would deny that it's needed, but the question of how you're going to pay for it is is still up in the air. Um, and uh, so again, it depends on what what that twenty percent are 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 more concerned about. Yeah, and are I, the union members perhaps? Yeah, I maintain that that twenty percent is um, crime reduction oriented. And that's the only thing that they're really. Uh, concerned about it. And there isn't along the lakefront, 
a lot of sympathy for social order. If if you went to Bucktown, where where the young people live now, off North Avenue, around Damon, you know, in, in that area, in Wicker Park, Buck, Bucktown, that's where the young people are in numbers right now. And we saw again in this election that the young people don't vote. Exactly. Well, that's another problem, right? Exactly. So they're not voting, and they're the only ones that are concerned about these. Well, the the mainly only ones concerned about these social issues. And you see that in um, Biden's um, co college um, loan refund, where um, the people that have paid off their loans or never got loans or said, well, why do I have to do this? <laughs> yeah. but, the, but the thing is, I mean, using their mentality uh, if you don't have a kid in, in the public school system, then why should your tax dollars go to that? I mean, the whole concept is that we're all in one. And so you get an advantage here, you don't get it there or something. And that's not what's going on now. What's going on is, well, if it doesn't benefit me, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. Okay. So to that point, Monroe, uh, this is where the ball is in Brainerd Johnson's court. And, uh, if he, uh, it, it, a lot of this depends on the kind of campaign he runs. So all last night I'm watching the media, uh, Monroe and Derek going on and on about uh, how radical and out of touch uh, Brandon Johnson is with his policing uh, rhetoric, with his taxing rhetoric, et cetera. I didn't hear one word about Paul Vallis's voucher support. I didn't hear one word about the insane things Paul Vallis has said about critical race theory. And it is insane, Derek Blakely and Monroe Anderson. That if you have listened to it, you'd be shaking your head going, what is this guy talking about? I have not heard about Paul Vallis playing footsie with Awake Illinois, the MAGA crowd that wanted didn't want uh, masks, was anti-mask, the anti-vax crowd. I, didn't, I have not heard any of that. So you're going to hear a lot. It's already started about how uh, out of touch uh, – uh, Brandon Johnson is with the crime issues that, that you were talking about, Monroe. What I don't know, will Brandon's people have it together to hit hard at Vallis at his maganess? <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. And because that could win that 20% in the 44th ward. That could win. Well, it. I mean, bring it over. Go ahead, Derek. He'll have the money to do it. Um, and I would think he has the inclination to do it. Yeah. So you know, I, I would, ex I would expect to hear that, you know, as I, you know, as I said, when I was talking to you, Vallis's problem um, as a politician, as opposed to a, a appointed official, a manager is he, he suffers from diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> he uh, says a lot of stuff about a lot of things. And, um, you know, people who, who have recorded these things um, uh, are going to, bring it back to him. Um, and, you know, Ben, the other thing I, you know, I, I, I've got to say is you have to hand it to Brandon Johnson. Now, I can't say I agree with the totality of his platform, but he ran an energetic campaign. He ran a dynamic campaign. He's a well-spoken, uh, uh, dynamic figure who uh, kind of epitomized uh, 
younger, uh, youthful energy in, in a very positive way. And, you know, you, you can look at the election in many, in, in many ways, um, certainly one way ideological, um, you know, a, a middle of the road or center, center right candidate against, uh, you know, a full out left wing candidate. You can look at it racially. Um, and, um, but, but you have to give, you have to give Johnson a lot of credit, even with the money. And he had a boatload of money. Um, yeah. you know, um, yeah. even with the money, the money doesn't, the money gives you the opportunity to make your case as a candidate. You have to back up the TV ads and, um, um, and your your the talking points, and um, for a guy who's spent less than four years in elected politics, uh, what he has pulled off is uh, really quite amazing. Monroe, do you agree with Derek? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. He, I, I, I didn't know who he was before the election. No, I had no idea who this guy yeah. was. So. Yeah, and, and he well, that, was, that, that's what that three million dollars helped do. Yeah, right. All that name identification. I right. mean, that's what that buys. Mm -hmm. And it was a mistake. I, although he's sticking with it, he's doubled down, doubling down on it to talk about defunding the police. Uh, I think the pivotal word is reform, not refund. Def yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I think that he should uh, figure out a way to make that shift because otherwise it's going to be a club in this law and order period we're in right now. It that already is a club. Now. Yeah, right. It right. already is a club. Right. Uh, like I told you, Monroe, uh, I've already gotten three texts uh, from gloating uh, Paul Vallis supporters uh, sending me uh, clips of of the uh, of Brandon saying outrageous stuff. Uh, uh, on this issue, and uh, they're like, "Can't wait to run this. Your guy's going down." You know, that kind of a little taunting yeah, from MAGA. Look, yeah. MAGA loves to taunt Monroe, uh, oh, they, and I'm getting troll. it. In, yeah, they troll. That's what they do. They troll. I'm getting it in boatloads. All right. Uh, so, uh, Monroe, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, I always say something reminds me either of '83 or '89. '83 was a Bernie Epstein's before it's too late campaign where they just made it so freaking obvious uh, that everyone understood what they were talking about. You, your wives, your mother, your grandmother, your daughter will not be safe to walk the streets if you're Washington is elected mayor. In 89 was daily. He saw the division between uh, Evans and Sawyer. He goes, well, I don't have to play it that hard. I'll just walk around the city being white and everybody will get the message. So do you think uh, Paul Vallis uh, can win just by being like daily, just walking around being white? <laughs> Uh, and that's good enough, or does you think he's going to have to uh, eventually get down and dirty and nasty like Bernie Epton tried to do in '83 uh, to really make the point? I think Paul. I think Paul's going to uh, be more like Daly, just trying to uh, pretend like everything's okie dokie, <laughs> and he he's going to go in there and take care of stuff. Uh, I, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going to go the Epton route. Because, you know, he has worked for Harold. I mean, he's worked in some of these, quote, liberal uh, 
Irving. I don't believe he ever worked for Harold. Let's let's get that one out. He worked for uh, Don Clark Netch. Uh, he never worked for Harold. Then he went over to uh, the city for Daily. Uh, yeah, I know he did, but he was doing something with. I thought he was doing something with the Washington administration. You know, there been some. <laughs> uh, not. I, I mean, I think he. I think he may have. I, I'm not sure about it, but I think he was in a lower level position. Right, maybe in the revenue department or something. Yeah, I, but I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. Uh, right, pretty sure he wasn't. And you know what? I think we still have a bet out from the last time we were on the show. And I think Derek Blakely owes me lunch somewhere. I care. <laughs> no, I owe him lunch. Wasn't that right, Monroe? Right. Yeah, exactly. Derek Winnie looked you, it up. You owe on, him. You oh my him. God! Yes, you about the international. Actually, you owe me a trip to Paris. Lost <laughs> <laughs> so many times. <laughs> I flushed. No, it was. Oh my God! I made that dumb bet with Derek. He said he was an usher for Stevie Wonder in the Rolling Stones concert, and I said oh, it was yeah. at Chicago Stadium. And he said it was at the International Amphitheater. I'm going, oh no, Derek, <laughs> you don't understand. I'm a rock and roll fan. I know. He was right. He looked it up. He's like a millennial inside Derek Blake. He looked it up on the internet while we were on the show. Uh, it's a marvelous thing, the internet. <laughs> so and, you can and look. So, and and yeah, so is Mike. That was his first job. And so he remembered where it was. <laughs> it's his first job. Oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> here we go. I'm looking at Vallis's resume on LinkedIn. Yeah. 1986 to 1990. Uh, Director of Revenue. Right. Director For Harold. For Harold, not for Harold. Well, if he, if he joined in '86, yeah, he was with. Wait, what is he said? But it was Don Clark that she was working for. Uh, um, it says well, yeah, Don Clark. It, no, it says I, it, 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 City of Chicago Director of Revenue. Wow. Yeah, and Don Clark Nash yeah, was a part of Harold's liberal coalition. Oh uh, well, first she supported. Let's not let's not rewrite history. I remember this stuff. First she supported Richie Daly, and then when Daly lost, give her credit, she came over for her Northwestern University Law School classmate, Harold Washington. Right. Uh, I, uh, I that LinkedIn thing sounds a little suspicious, but uh, let's just move on there. Uh, that eighty-six to ninety. What does it say? He was working for. Uh, for Director of Revenue, Mitch. City of Chicago. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I may have to make a, a rare concession, but I'm going to do a little investigation for it. Make a concession. Or, or buy another lunch. A few more bets with him and you can go with me to Paris. <laughs> right. Oh, Lord. The three of us in Paris. Uh, wow. Um, so... Uh, all right, Derek. So, do you think he's going to have to get down and dirty, or do you think just he could play it cool like Daly did in '89? I think he can, and I think that uh, you know he has been consistently on message uh, during this campaign. Uh, he's got professional management. Uh, he's got some high-level operatives working for him. Uh, Joe Trippy who has uh, done work for several Democratic presidential candidates, is, is running his campaign, very experienced guy. And um, I don't think he'll go there because he doesn't have to go there. Right. Um, I, you know, and especially um, if you see the kind of turnout that the black community had 
uh, I don't think uh, Brandon's going to be able to uh, whip up the black community to like Harold Washington levels and, uh, you know, get 150 people, 150,000 or uh, then Harold demand that they register 100,000 voters before he got into the race, uh, which they did. And, you know, that's that's not happening this time. So um, I, I, don't, I don't think that he will go there. I think people around him may go there. Some people around Vallis may go there, but I don't, I don't see um, either Vallis or for that matter, um, Brandon Johnson uh, going there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, um, I don't see it either. Vallis, as I recall from the nineties and I, uh, I followed his career very closely in the nineties when he was running the school system for daily uh, Derek Monroe, uh, he was quite skillful dealing with yeah. black politicians and uh black media he would be on wvon a lot right and uh I, I remember one time uh father flager and a bunch of ministers were upset with a book uh, a, a young adult book uh called coffee will make you black that uh, was being taught god what high school was it i want to say uh uh, julian but i could be wrong anyway uh but a, but a predominantly black high school and Vallis just I mean, they had access to Vallis, and he yanked it right off. Uh, he, he just said it was not required reading. If you wanted to read it, you could, but it's not required. I'm taking it out of the curriculum of this teacher. And I wrote a story about it, you know, like the libertarian lefty type view of like censorship. Can you believe this, Derek? I was like on the MAGA side of things uh, <laughs> back in the 90s. I was like, I, and I interviewed the author, but he was like he was playing the politics. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? He, he, he was cultivating Father Flager. And uh, so, yeah, he's an astute politician in a way that Lori Lightfoot is not. I was, um, you know, I was a TV reporter in the late 90s, and I had several uh, encounters with, you know, Paul Vallis on various stories and uh, watched him operate. Um, at that time, um, Chicago... Uh, through daily was being flooded with federal cash and, um, and and some of it was from the state as well so uh, he was like Santa Claus yeah. he went around all these schools and he refurbished them he built additions he built new schools and because the money was flowing like water yeah and I think I don't know if he can um leverage that residue of goodwill he once had in the black community but i think he's going to try yeah um and um uh, I, I don't think um of course chewy garcia they had an issue with him uh over the construction of a new school in little village mm -hmm. um but i don't recall the black community having big issues with Paul Vallis as uh, a school superintendent. No. And in fact, I think he was generally favorably viewed. Yes, he was very astute how he did that. Um, uh, 
And uh, so I, I don't think he's going to resort to 83 Epton-like tactics. I think it's going to be, I agree with both of you, it's going to be more like 89 with Daly. All right, you mentioned Chewy Monroe. What happened to Jesus Chewy Garcia? He emerged in 2015 uh, in the runoff against Rom. He was right there. He was known from one end of the city to the other. Uh, and he was in an ideal per- position. Uh, to do what so many politicians dream of in the city of Chicago, and that is uh, occupy the fifth floor. And he got drubbed yesterday. I mean, he got drubbed 14% citywide. That uh, was the last number I saw roughly. It was 13 point something. I, I rounded up to 14%. Well, we'll start with you, Monroe, and then go to Derek. What happened to Chewy? There was no fire in the belly. That's the problem with Chewy. Uh, and, you know, Harold had that same problem. Like Chewy, he was a, a congressman at the time, and he was very happy being a congressman. And they talked to him. Well, he set up these, of course, these, this, uh, you got to have so many voters registered and you got to have so much money and, and then I'll do it. But he didn't want to do it. He was quite happy being a congressman where um, the only job you have is going to meetings, basically. Other than that, you have control of your schedule. Whereas um, the mayor has crap to do all the time. In fact, I'm not. I would not be surprised if um, a week from now, Mayor Lightfoot says, "Shh." <laughs> what was I thinking <laughs> to take this job in the first place? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> it is not an easy job under normal circumstances, and under these circumstances now, yeah, you've got a challenge. Yeah, Derek, I, I think Monroe's view is 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 right. Um, he got he was very comfortable. He is very comfortable as a congressman. He got in late, mm-hmm. um, and um, from what I've heard. Uh, from people associated with his campaign, uh, there was a lot of disorganization within it. And um, um, he started out as a disadvantage because he had uh, frittered away the two and a half million dollars in in teachers union money that that went to Brandon Johnson because the teachers union wanted to wanted to, you know, get going. And uh, Chewy wanted to wait. And uh, they found uh, 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 a candidate who's the wholly owned subsidiary of the teachers <laughs> union, and uh, they were they you know uh, their money and his personality uh, successfully got him to the runoff. Yeah, and this is a question that I put to Brandon, and Garcia raised it toward the end of the campaign, but he he was out of juice and it got covered. And Lori also said essentially the same thing. I said, uh, Commissioner, if you become mayor, when the teachers union contract comes up, will the union essentially be negotiating with itself? And his response was, well, you know, we'll have elected school board by then. So the, the people will will have spoken and the negotiation w- will be with the uh, the elected school board. but." You know, anybody knows anything about Chicago? <laughs> no, that that's you know a, a kind of a dodge. Yeah, that's an issue he's going to have to deal with. 
Um, because whether you like them or hate them, that's that's that that sounds like a walking, talking conflict of interest. Well, yeah. I, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, and I say this as a guy who loves the Chicago Teachers Union, Stacey Davis Gates. However, I believe you're absolutely correct. Uh, and I'm going to go back to where I began the conversation, white voters on the north side. They will use that as their excuse to vote for Paul Vallis. And I just know, I know the ilk. I know the group. I know how they think. I know that's a convenient excuse because I never heard once them talk about a conflict of interest with Daly and Rahm, with all the developers who had or feeded at the trough. And I like, I know how Chicagoans work. They don't see that as a conflict of interest, Derek. They see it as expertise. This is one of Monroe Anderson's favorite themes, by the way. I'm just stealing Monroe's ideas right here. They consider that expertise and brilliant uh, legal minds and fiduciary wizardry. They don't see it as conflict of interest. But when you have a union that went on strike to get more nurses and librarians and counselors hired in poor black schools, they consider that a conflict of interest. So I'm with you 100%. That's going to be a huge issue for Brandon. But I personally, humbly, the lefty of me, think it's a bogus issue. Well, you know, I, I, I can see your viewpoint in that, um, you know, the, those, the, those conflicts uh, on the business side aren't, aren't uh, highlighted. But when you have a background of being on the payroll of the CTU, <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, um, I'm not saying that you're, it's one thing to, to be favorable uh, to the CTU. It's another thing to be, you know, uh, uh, have them, you know, supply part of your livelihood. Um, you know, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm anti-union, I'm not. I mean, I'm former union member, that's why I'm, I'm able to be retired now through the, uh, the good graces of SAG-AFTRA. But uh, I, I think, you know, it's kind of like uh, Desi said to Lucy, you got some <laughs> explaining to do. You know. Desi, uh, our first uh, Lucille Ball quote for ever. I was, I was going to say, uh, even Monroe has never gone back to the Lucy show. All right, uh, we'll close this uh, chapter of local political to talk. We could talk forever about this with uh, uh, the Obama question. Is there any way, Monroe Anderson, that Barack Obama gets involved in this campaign? He would be a huge, a huge boost for Brandon Johnson. Can't really imagine him supporting Paul Vallis, but he would, he, he dragged Rob's sorry little carcass over the finish line in 2015. We all know it. Uh, he would have a major impact for Brandon Johnson if he were to get involved. Similarly for Paul Vallis, if he were to get involved for Paul Vallis. Uh, okay, like what would be the payoff for him? What what would he get? What would Obama get for getting <laughs> into this little, little squabble here in Chicago when he is like an international figure now? You know? <laughs> what was the payoff for getting involved for Rob? What was the payoff in 2015 when he got involved for Rom? Rom was his he was on his way out as president. No, he 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 had some Rom had some some chits do him. 
Rob was uh, his money raiser, Chris says. Yeah, right. And, and you know, <laughs> that's and, past and, then. But go ahead. Yeah. 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 You know, so so it, and and mainly he wanted to get him out of the White House. Well, that's true. He <laughs> yeah, left so the White House. Like, okay. Hey, why don't you <laughs> go be mayor of Chicago? I'll help you. These dummies will vote for anybody. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you say no, uh, Derek, uh, do you see any, do you agree with Monroe? No way. Uh, Barack Obama gets involved in this. I, I don't think so. Um, you're right. That would be a huge boost, uh, for either candidate. I mean, I, I think you were, uh, speculating it would be a huge bo boost for Brandon and it would be, but you know, there were some, there were ties with Obama and, and, uh, Emmanuel and, um, and they were, um, but there are no ties here. And I think uh, Obama, who was kind of a classic FDR liberal, would have uh, an issue in endorsing um, some of Johnson's uh, platform positions, his tax positions, his defund the police, um, which he says he's backed away from, but, you know, he's still on, on record as having advocated. So I don't see him as being quite an ideological match. And um, they don't have, they don't have um, a, uh, any relationship that I know of, political relationship. So it would be a bombshell and it would be a big lift but uh, I kind of see it as a bridge too far. Yeah, I, uh, by the way, I'm going to push back with you. Uh, I am an FDR liberal. I think Barack Obama is more a Clinton Democrat, a centrist Democrat. Uh, okay, and, well, uh, I, I wouldn't argue. And that, and that makes your point even stronger. Uh, yeah. You well, know, it makes your point uh, even well, stronger. Well, Clinton Democrats yeah. got elected. Yeah, right. And and, and uh, Biden is an FDR Democrat. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he got elected too. And FDR got elected. Let's not forget right, FDR. Yeah. Got okay. Yeah, Let's not just write off FDR. FDR. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he didn't need like Ross Perot in the race uh, to to get elected like Bill Clinton did. Okay, just say it. Wait, did somebody say something about Will Chamberlain? Was there a Will Chamberlain line there that yeah, I, I said that uh, you said he? Change the game. I said, like, we'll change. Oh, like, we'll change. Wow, man. Another bad. They had to widen the lane. Remember, they used to have that uh, keyhole lane. Yeah. And but we he, have... was, he was dunking so so much, they, they widened the lane. Yeah. For the great uh, Big Dipper. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, all right. We are uh, out of time. He was dipping more than basketballs. So okay. Uh, he had to go there, Derek. Like, I mean, I'll tell you, know. you what. <laughs> Derek will be at Zany's later tonight, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to stand up. Derek is jealous because he only dipped half as much as the <laughs> Okay, We really got to close this one down. Uh, we were going to do a Dilbert conversation, but then we'll save that for next week. with. <laughs> <laughs> uh Derek Blakely, thank you so much. Uh, and you had once again you went on the internet, but I'm gonna double check to see if I about that Paul Vallos thing. My memory is that he was with Don Clark Nitch at that time, uh, not with the city of Chicago, but you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Memory's a funny thing, very selective thing. Uh, so thank you very much, Derek, uh, for your A game as you always do. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and, of course, Monroe Anderson every Wednesday in the Ben Jarofsky Show. Outstanding job. We didn't do any Trump talk, which means we just got more Trump talk for next week, more national talk for next week. But come on, 
uh, Monroe. And Trump, and Trump may be indicted by, by next week in Georgia. We'll see. We'll see about that. Good God. we've been That's been like maybe next week uh, for about four years now, Monroe. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. A year. A year. Okay. All right, and, very good. and these things do justice. Justice is slow. But, yes. but it's on, on the way. It's on the way. I like. I can't wait for it to arrive. All right. Thank you very much, Monroe Anderson, uh, and thank you, producer Chris, for doing an outstanding job as always. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more online at ChicagoReader.com. And find Ben Jarofsky all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator